0: Good morning, High Point Life Church. I just want to thank you so much Pastor Stephen and Pastor Flora for giving me this opportunity to be able to bless your church as the body of Christ. Um, my name is Pastor Josh Faltinski and I'm from the Beautiful with Sundays in Queensland, Australia. You heard from my wife Pastor Sam Faltinski for Mother's Day. We are so blessed to be able to come and share with you today. What an honor, what a privilege. You know, it's getting close to Christmas, and for me, Christmas is a a huge moment. I thought, what could I share about when it comes to Christmas, about our Saviour? And um, for me, I have such a background testimony of religion that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is such a significant thing in my life, and I believe it is in a lot of people's lives. And so today I really want to bless you all with a word today about the hope of salvation through Jesus Christ. Luke 168 is talking about Zechariah. This is John the Baptist's father. And, and Zechariah um, hasn't been able to speak because he didn't believe what the angel of the Lord said to him about Zechariah um, having a child and his name was John. And long story short, when John was born... John the Baptist, that is, when he was born, Zechariah all of a sudden broke out in a prophecy. And he says this, he says, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of the enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people, by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercies of our God, which, with which the day spring from one on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Wow, so that's what he spoke over his son, John the Baptist. And one of the things that stood out for me in this prophecy was he, he, shared, he said in verse 74, he said, To ground us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him. Him is God. Him is Jesus. He's talking about him. And he says that we might serve him, Jesus, without fear. That's a significant thought. That's a really, really powerful prophecy. There is something so important in that scripture just there that speaks into my life and would have spoken to thousands of, hundreds of thousands of people that um, have gone before us. And, and it's this, that we might be able to serve our God without fear. Why is that so significant in, in our lives today? The reason it was for the Jews, who Zachariah was, he was a part of God's children um, and God's children were the Jews, It wasn't yet that God's children were going to be the Gentiles, which is you and I who aren't Jewish by birth. But for the Jews, they knew something far greater than we could understand. You see, they grew up in the law system, and they're under a different covenant to who you and I are under now. It's in the Old Testament. The first five books of the Bible is called the Pentateuch, the Torah. And it's actually the first five books are the law of Moses. And so what happened when God, when the um, children came out of the the children went into the wilderness, they come out of Egypt, is that they didn't want to know God for themselves. So they said to Moses, Moses, you go to God, you tell us what we need to do and we will try and do it. They didn't want a relationship with God, which required our faith. They wanted to just follow rules. So God said to them, Okay, I will give you a law the Old Testament law, the Ten Commandments, and he said, follow these. The thing is, is that the Jewish people tried to follow those laws, but physically could not keep the laws that the, the, old, the Ten Commandments required of them. And it come to the point where they knew, they knew in their hearts, the more and more they tried to live according to the old law, Um, the more and more they realized that they failed at keeping it. This was a big issue because in the Old Testament law, they had to try and perfect themselves, make themselves worthy enough to be saved. That can lead to a lot of pressure. It's actually impossible. Jesus says, well, actually, Paul says it, but he's talking about Jesus and the law. And he says, if there was another way To be saved, other than Jesus, God would have used it. What he's saying is is that there was nothing wrong with the Old Testament law. But the problem is is that we were born with a human nature. And our nature, it's very simple. When a child is born, you don't have to teach a child to um, snatch. They will snatch and steal, and they don't want to share as a little child. Well, we were born with a human nature that although we want to do good, we find it impossible to actually do it because our nature is born of this earth and its flesh. And whatever's flesh, it says in Scripture, cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. It's not possible that our human nature, who I am when I was born, is able to enter the kingdom of heaven Because it never, no matter how good I am and no matter how much I try to do good, it's impossible to actually do what I'm called to do. I remember when I was about 23 and I was really caught up in business and I was caught up in um, power and wealth and money and I was very successful for my age. The problem was is that in my success, I started to look to drinking and drugs to uh, uh, as a way to cope. Although I was a good person and I wanted to be a good person, I found myself getting more and more addicted to drugs to the point where I couldn't get out of them. I couldn't set myself free. And I realized as much as I was trying to do good, there was something working inside me that I could not ever perfect. I could never, ever make clean. And that was my human nature. So when I came to Jesus, one of the first things God did for me, hallelujah, was he set me free. He instantly delivered me from drugs, never touched them again, never even desired to have them again. Such a miraculous thing happened for me that I no longer want to do drugs. You see, this is where Zachariah was. Zachariah loved God Zachariah's the John the Baptist's father, he loved God. He was a priest inside the um, tabernacle, but the, the temple. But the problem was, is Zechariah. no matter how hard he tried to keep the law, the Old Testament law, the Torah, he was, it was impossible for him to keep it because he was trying to do it from his human nature. The issue with that is that it brings forth fear. Romans 8 says, I'll just go to it. It's impossible to keep the old covenant law. Romans 8 15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba Father. You see, before Jesus came, All we could do was try and live a good life as best as we could according to the old covenant. That's what the Jews were doing. The problem with that was whenever they made a mistake, it was held against them as punishment. And fear was always there because they knew that they always fell short of the glory of God. When Jesus says, or when Paul says this in Romans, he says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, he knew that his audience, he was talking to Romans here, and he was talking to Jewish people. He knew that the audience that he was talking to would understand what it meant by you you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. The same way Zechariah prophesied about that we won't have to serve God any longer in fear, Apostle Paul's using the same um, wording, but from a different angle to remind the people, the Jews, of what it was like to serve God through fear. You see, without Jesus Christ coming, and we're left to save ourselves, all that can be around us is fear. Fear. I understand this greatly because of my testimony. I grew up when I was a child, I was born into a cult. It was a religion, it was a home church. There's nothing wrong with home churches, but the problem with this home church was that they never knew Jesus. So they feared God. They read the same Bible as you and I would read. They tried to live godly as they possibly could. But the problem was, is they never had forgiveness of their sins, so they always felt fear, bondage, and guilt. I grew up in a cult that listened to the spirit of bondage again to fear. So to give you a bit of an example, when we stood up, when we were at church in our little service, it was a home church, so it was only a small gathering, and there was about 400 of us as a people over, the, over Queensland. And we had all of these little groups of house clusters everywhere. And my dad used to lead one. So I grew up and we would, um, when we stood up to pray at church, God, we would say, God, I'm no good. I don't deserve you. I haven't done enough this week to deserve your forgiveness. Only if you'll have mercy on me, God. It was so religious and binding that we used to speak wrong mindsets over ourselves. And we used to speak death over ourselves, thinking that if we could just become more and more perfect through our own doing, through our own works, we would maybe God would accept us and allow us to come to heaven. So we, will put, we put ourselves under a spirit of bondage where we were trying our hardest to deserve the right to go to heaven because we didn't know about Jesus. We had no idea. We heard of Jesus. We knew he was in the Bible, but we seen him as a man who was just a man who, who through the old law, did everything he was meant to do and made it to heaven. That is not true. What I'm telling you is from wrong doctrine. It's not true. This is not who Jesus is, but I'm telling you to help you understand the depth of understanding the spirit of bondage again to fear. So as we were growing up, my mum, I remember this so clearly. When you're in that cult, you are suppressed with fear we weren't allowed to wear makeup or jewelry we weren't allowed to wear anything that was um looked lovely we weren't allowed to watch a tv we weren't allowed to own a car that was new because that was pride and the bondage of it was so heavy all the time we weren't allowed to go to sports we weren't allowed to play sports we couldn't um, go and play anything on a Sunday because we were trying to live as holy as possible so that maybe God would accept us. That's what the spirit of bondage does to you. My, for years and years, you, you, you keep living like that, carrying those mindsets, and all of a sudden you start getting very depressed, very anxious, very angry. And my mum wanted to leave, but she was so scared to leave that church because she thought that if she left, God would kill her children, which was one of those children were me. You see, the spirit of bondage again to fear is what the Old Testament children of God understood. They grasped what, God, what Zachariah was saying there. They needed something that was going to set them free from the law. They needed something that was going to redeem them from the bondage that they were under. And I was the same. I didn't know what I needed, but I knew I needed something that was going to help me because I knew that where I was in my life and um, the church that I was going to, something was completely wrong. I left that church. And when I left one of the elders said to me, "Do you realize if you leave this church because they believed they were the only ones in the world that were saved, even though they didn't believe they were saved, so you never got anywhere. Um, they an elder rang me and said, "Do you realize if you leave you have to go to you will go to hell." And as a 21-year-old man, I had to weigh up was I going to or was I willing to go to hell or stay in that church. And I said to myself, if this is God, I'll go to hell. And I said, I can't go. I can't go to this church anymore. And I left. And that's when I went out into the world. I had my business and I got into drugs and I got into money. But one day God came to me and he said to me, he said to me, what more do you want? Do you want another car, another house? You see, everything i desired in life, a family, a wife, a business, money in the bank, a house. I had two. Uh, a brand new car, a brand new boat. I had everything that I wanted in life. And God said, what more do you want? Another car, another boat? And he was showing me that no matter how successful I become, I'm still missing something. A lot of people say to me when I evangelize in the street or when I'm talking to people who don't know Jesus, they'll say to me, oh, I grew up in religion. And they say, I've had enough for a lifetime. I don't want to hear what you're saying. And I say, I can relate. Actually, if anyone's got a reason to turn away from Jesus because of religion, it would probably be me. But the answer is still Jesus. That was the thing I had to learn. It wasn't the, the religion wasn't right. The world's not right. But there's still a God and there's still, there's still a truth. And that's what I had to search for. So I gave my heart back to God and I said, Lord, I need to know you. And he revealed Jesus to me. Amen. You see, King David, he also understood bondage and punishment. When King David made a mistake, it says in 1 Chronicles 21, it says that King David was tempted by Satan to to create a census. And what the census was, I believe, is that David... In his own pride, was like, look how big I've got. I'm going to see how many men there are that are that are um warriors. And so he sent a census out, even though his um his soldier, oh sorry, his second in charge Joab said to him, I don't think this is the right thing to do. He still went and sent a census out because he was trying to see how well he had gone. King David, in his own pride was trying to see how well he had done yet he was meant to really say thank you Lord for what you've done for me and so he sent a census out One million and fifty um, soldiers of war was from one part of his kingdom and it was about 400 and something 450 was from the northern part of the kingdom that was soldiers that was how many soldiers King David had that could draw a sword in his army and when, he, and when he created this census, God came to him very displeased because he'd listened to the devil and he followed what the devil said. And then God said, because of this, I'm going to punish you. You're going to either get three years of famine, 30 days of um, your three months, sorry, of neighboring cities coming and destroying you, or three days of plague. You see, King David was a part of the Old Testament and when your sins were held against you. So God was going, God could punish, would punish you for what you'd done wrong. And so King David said, which was a very smart move, he said, I'll let the Lord choose because you are merciful. And so God chose the plague. 70,000 men fell because of David and his pride. You see that? That's Old Testament. And that's what happens when you're under a covenant where there is not freedom from fear, that's what they understood. So when Zechariah says um, regarding freedom from fear, I'll just go back to it quickly. Luke chapter one, verse six. It starts in verse sixty-eight, and but it's verse seventy-four I'm speaking from. And and Zachariah says, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. They understood what it was like to not have the Messiah, not have the Savior. You see, they were all looking towards the Savior. They wanted a Savior. And King David in Romans 4 says that. He says, he says this. He says, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord shall not impute sin. You see, David didn't have that blessing because he was in a different covenant and the Messiah hadn't come. His sins were imputed to him. He paid the punishment for his failures. Whereas he was prophesying here in Romans 4, he was prophesying about what we're going to have when the Saviour comes, when Jesus comes. And so he's saying, blessed are those. So you and I who have Jesus, he's saying, we are blessed, whose lawless deeds, so your and my mistakes, are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man who shall not impute sin. Well, so blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin what an amazing thing we have without jesus christ we are left in our sin and when us when we fall short of the glory of god we would be punished for what we've done i grew up in a church that believed that and we were always were um living in the fear of punishment i went out into the world and I tried to live like the world lived because I thought, if this is God, I that's not the right way I'm going into the world. I recognized that the world wasn't right either. I need, When I realized that the world wasn't right, I knew I needed something greater than myself. There was no way that I could in my own flesh, in my own nature, in what I was born into as a man, there was no way I was able to save myself. David, King David, came to the same conclusion. He needed something that was going to save him. He prophesied into the future of what he he knew that he needed. He needed a savior that was going to not hold his sins against him. Zachariah, the prophet, who who the high, he was a priest, sorry, who prophesied over his son John the Baptist. Also cried out with a prophecy saying, There is one coming who's not going to impute sin to us. We're going to be able to live without fear. And they all point and climax to the Saviour who come into the world. In John 1:1, it says that Jesus came into the world. He was the word of the He was the Word of God, and the Word of God became flesh, and flesh dwelt among us. They were all, we were all. Myself, King David, Zachariah, we're all pointing to the one and only person to be, um, to be served. The one and only Lord, the one and only King, the one and only who's able to save you to the uttermost. We've all abandoned our own, for, uh, our own um, righteousness and our own way of believing that we're able to save ourselves. And we've fled for a hope that's greater than us. And we found it. That's the most amazing thing. That's why it's so amazing that Jesus Christ came into this earth because it was impossible for a man, you or I, to ever be able to attain salvation or a right standing with with God without a substitute. And that's where Jesus comes into it. God says it pleased him to bruise his son for us. Why does he say that? He says that without the remission of sins, there is no Without the um, shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. It's impossible to be forgiven unless there's a shedding of blood. Zachariah understood that he was a priest in the temple. They used to bring sheeps and goats to him, and he would sacrifice them, pour out their blood as a sin offering for the people. But he also knew that it never ever fixed the bigger issue. It says in Hebrews, That it never fixed the bigger issue where they always felt conscious of sin. They still felt like they were guilty. They needed something else. And Jesus, knowing that, this is the amazing mercy of God our Father. He looked down and he knew that you and I could never, ever make it back to him. So he said to his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who always was. He was in the beginning. He He was the word. He was with God when they created the universe with the Holy Spirit. He spoke. Jesus was the one who spoke the world into existence. Nothing was made without Jesus Christ. Everything you see, Jesus Christ was a part of and spoke into existence. See, we're all pointing back to Jesus Christ. And God knew that it was impossible. God the Father. It was impossible for men to make it back to God. So he said to his son, would you please go and save my people? How amazing is that? God sent his son. Jesus humbled himself, knowing he is also part of the Godhead, humbled himself and said, I'll go, Father, honoring his father. And he came down onto this earth, born of a woman, but, but infilled by the Holy Spirit, no father of this earth. He was conceived by the Spirit of God. So you see, he was God. He was God down here on earth in flesh, fully man and fully God. He had the ability to be able to live how us men um, tried to live. Like Zachariah, Zachariah tried to fulfill the law, but he couldn't do it. Whereas God, trying to fulfill a law that he put on this earth, he could fulfill it because the law was his nature. So he just lived who he was on this earth. And he fulfilled it because it was the law was good, but he was God, so he was able to. And because he was also man, he was also able to um, understand and go through the things that we've gone through. So he's able to sympathize with how weak we are in our flesh. How amazing is God? So God came onto this earth. And he literally fulfilled the law. And when he went to the cross, you see, I believe, this is my personal belief, he had to give up his life because it was impossible to kill God. How do you kill God? So I believe that Jesus even had to give up his life after he was beaten and whipped and flogged and his blood was shed. He had to lay his life down, his very breath, he had to lay it down himself. He gave everything to pay for what you and I could physically not pay for. God says that Jesus paid for and suffered for everything that the world has done wrong. God's already paid for it through Jesus. And when Jesus went into the grave and he was there three days, where it says he ministered to spirits that were, in, were, were, were underneath, he ministered to those to tell them about Christ so that they would be um, redeemed through faith while he was down there. Did you know that it was impossible for God to leave Jesus in hell? Do you know why? Because Jesus never sinned, you can't... He, he wasn't... He. Sorry, let me say that again. Because Jesus never sinned, God could not hold against him death because the law of sin is death for you and I we've made mistakes so the law of sin is death well Jesus never sinned so if the law of sin is death but he never sinned then death can't hold him because he didn't deserve to die so God had to because he's a righteous God lift Jesus up out of the grave and resurrect him from the dead because it's impossible For God to not be righteous, and a righteous man, Jesus Christ, did not deserve to die, so he had to be risen from the dead. Jesus could not stay in Hades. It was impossible for him to stay there because he didn't deserve to die. The only reason he died was for you and I. Wow, what a powerful truth. What an amazing truth. Romans 10 says, Whoever believes on the Lord Jesus Christ... This is, we'll be saved, amen? This is how you get saved if you haven't received Jesus yet. I hope this message speaks to you. My heart in it is, no matter how much you try in your own strength, it's impossible to deserve the forgiveness that Jesus gives us. The hope of salvation, the reason why Jesus Jesus is the reason for the season, the reason why Jesus came to the earth, The whole of mankind where we should all be looking is at Jesus Christ and the point of the cross because it's through Jesus Christ that we've been separated from the fear of bondage and death and hell and we've been accepted freely into the kingdom of his love where he says you can now serve me without fear and without worry because I have come to give you life And life more abundantly. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? All these men, since the start of time, have lived in bondage of fear. Looking for hope to be able to be set free from the spirit of bondage that's held them captive. So that they can cry out, Abba Father. And you and I have also fled to find that hope the anchor of our soul, Jesus Christ. Amen. And if you haven't received him, it is so easy. Jesus says, whosoever believeth in me will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Jesus says, anyone who wants to come to me, must, the Father must draw him. And so God also wants Jesus Christ to be glorified because the Father wants to bring you to Jesus. The only way to the Father, it says, is through the Son. So God really desires that you know the Son. He cares about the Son. He worships. He glorifies. He lifts Jesus Christ up on a pedestal. That's how much God wants us to know Jesus. How amazing is that? And it says, if you believe in Jesus, you will not perish. That's what Romans 10 says. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you will be saved. Just a little thought. Saved is a. Re- I used to struggle with the word saved. Saved is actually an easy word. Saved is to be also known as made right. With God. That's what saved means. You see, without Jesus, we haven't yet been made right with God because we haven't got a a sacrifice to forgive us of our sins. Well, Jesus has already sacrificed himself. So all we have to do is receive what Jesus has done for us by believing that Jesus Christ really is who he says he is, the son of God who took the sins from the world and he died and rose again. That's what we got to believe. And when you believe that in your heart and you say, well, I really believe Jesus is the Son of God, it says that you have instantly been made right with God. Do you want that today? It's so simple. Just say, Lord, I believe that Father God, let's say it again, Father God, I believe that Jesus Christ truly is your son. He is the son of God. He did die for me and he rose again. I believe that in my heart. And you, my friend, if you said that from your heart, you have just been made right with God, which means you are saved. I encourage you, if this is spoken to you, if this is ministered to you, I encourage you to ring your pastors, Pastor Stephen and Pastor Flora, and explain to them so that they can help you further grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. I pray that my testimony and my understanding of the power and goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ is a blessing for you today. May God bless you richly. May your lives be abundant and rich. In Jesus' name, amen.